chatting, a little more hospitality and uh, COVID impact as well. Though this time we're going to be chatting craft breweries and we're going to be localizing this to a specific region just to, uh, well, reflect some timely news, uh, but also try to ground some of the effects of COVID on an industry like craft brewery. So like we've seen with a lot of entertainment venues, um, you know, anything from like a local barcade to a club to um, a uh, sports venue, you know, whatever, any any sort of in-person uh, venue that mm-hmm. has a level of hospitality and entertainment to it uh, have been hit really hard by COVID because they're extraneous and... Um, uh, the industry, you know, couldn't really justify, at least at first, staying open while there was a pandemic raging. And there's a local example out of Minnesota that I think is a good example of what could be uh, a future for a once budding craft brewery industry. So the Surly Beer Hall, which is a, an extremely famous Twin Cities destination for craft brewery, is closing indefinitely. And if you're not familiar with Surly Beer Hall, it's pretty significant that it's closing uh, because it's such an impactful brewery uh, to the the state just in general. Uh, But it also has a lot of history in its its impact on the booming brewery industry in Minnesota. Uh, The company backed some legislative lobbying efforts. uh, several years ago, I mean, I think over 10 years ago, uh, and a law became uh, law because of Surly in 2011. It was called the Surly Bill, and it sparked a taproom boom. Basically, what it said is that it would allow states uh, and, well, excuse me, would allow states' breweries to sell their product on the premises. So basically saying, hey, the brewery can also become a destination hotspot, and that could be a revenue generator for said business. So with that bill and with the um, lobbying efforts of Surly Beer Hall, there was a huge boom in Minnesota craft brews. Um, And uh, Surly and their $30 million complex uh, received about $2 million in federal and county grants for a site cleanup and then opened four years after uh, that law became, you know, a Minnesota law. So there was a lot of public-private partnership here, a real investment in this community, uh, and a real investment in this specific brewery as well. And even with all of that, uh, covid destroyed them basically and they were not insulated to any of the larger effects of the pandemic uh they reopened in june to a lot of buzz a lot of local buzz people were excited for their favorite brewery to reopen and they also had support from the ppp loan program however all of this just wasn't enough uh, considering they could only serve a fraction of their slated capacity so here's some thoughts from surly owner omar and sorry he said the following quote we were busy But despite all of the hard work of everyone on the team, when we ran the July numbers, we discovered that we weren't profitable. We didn't make any money this summer. That's how restaurants work. They make their money in the summer so they can make it through the winter. End quote. Um, Yeah, the beer hall revenue was down 82%. Huge drop. And there was an anticipated loss of at least... 
$750,000 that coming winter, this coming winter, for Surly Beer Hall. So with all of that said, they felt there was no other choice but to close. And uh, they, they claim that this next following bit of information is just coincidental timing, but I think it's important to mention as well Um there's some sketch timing on this. Basically, on Monday, a group of Surly Kitchen and Hospitality employees announced their intent to unionize, actually, as part of uh, a local um, a union that supports Minnesota hotels, restaurants, and other hospitality venues. It's called Unite Here. Uh, it's their local 17 chapter. And, yeah, basically they were presenting to Surly, hey, uh, we're going to unionize, or at least we're going to attempt to unionize. And then a few days later, Surly decided we are going to close our doors completely. So, Sir, yeah, Surly's owner says, look, wow. I know this looks bad. The timing is uh, really unfortunate, but we had been you know, running the numbers for a while and we're considering shutting down. Um, you know, this has no influence on our decision to close. However, I could see why, um, you know, dealing with a labor dispute would sort of be the final nail in the coffin, at least when trying to factor, uh, you know, the future of a business. Now, that's not to say that, um, you know, fighting for, uh, equitable labor practices in your workplace is bad, um, but I can see why mm-hmm. it would be a motivator for the owners of the business for them to say, all right, yeah, with this added on top, like we definitely were barely making it. But if now our workers are going to be asking for more pay and more benefits, uh, there's absolutely no way that we're going to be able to provide that. So we're just going to shut down. Um, and so, you know, there's some like labor back and forth there, people claiming that this right. is an unfair labor practice and they're filing um some claims against the now defunct brewery. But the real story here, I think, is just that the brewery itself, being such an icon of the Twin Cities, is having to close uh, for any number of reasons. Uh, The pandemic, labor disputes, um, lower business, an inability to prep for the winter, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And, uh, you know, I think it's just a sad day for uh, breweries, especially because it's been such a blossoming industry for the last several years so any thoughts off the dome on this one tyler yeah i guess you know when, when i think about breweries and and when you go kind of visit a craft brewery you see that it really is a um a small business in a very true and genuine sense like if you go visit a, a very actual craft brewery it is you know a bare bones operation that is operating on slim margins as it is that relies a lot on regular customers, repeat business, and you know the the profits that a tap room can bring in. You know a beer hall type of place like what Surly was, and so it's not a surprise to me that this is in, this is an industry that is taking a big hit during this time. Um, you know, it's it's one of the things that I probably miss most about uh, life before uh, coronavirus was getting together with friends in places like this. Um, on a regular basis and not being able to do that, I think is a, um, is a difficult thing. So yeah, it's, it's, uh, I, I guess, unfortunately I'm not surprised that this is the case and, um, 
And overall, it's a it's a sad thing to me because I think a lot of these businesses represented really um, really good cultural elements of where they came out of, right? Like they they represent the neighborhoods. Um, they are you know very true small businesses and have a good group of local supporters most of the time. And so I I think when it comes to good local small businesses, places like this are really what gives neighborhoods and and areas of towns a lot of character. And so it's it's one of the more unfortunate aspects I think of, uh, of everything going on is that places like this that I feel like are such good bearers of culture, um, are, we're, we're probably going to see a, uh, a decline in the existence yeah. of, of places like yeah, this, which really is, is uh, to me a shame. Um, and you know, I've got some more stats to kind of help better understand how breweries are being impacted at a larger scale. So there are about eight, 1,300 craft breweries across the U.S., and the Brewers Association estimates that about 10 to 20 percent decline in sales could be on the horizon for independent and small craft breweries in 2020. Mm -hmm. So by the end of the year, they could see anywhere from 10 to 20 percent decline in sales. Um, This is you know, amplified by the kind of hospitality venue that a tap room is, or excuse me, that just a broader craft brewery is. So there are some different levels of like what kind of brewery a brewery could be. Um, They could be a tap room brewery, like I said, which doesn't really have a food component to it. They could be a brew pub, which is a restaurant and a brewery. And they could be a production brewery, which just brews and packages uh, their, um, their beers and any other, um, you know, food or, or whatever they're creating there and then send them off to a distributor. So if they're a production house, uh, there's less that uh, could impact them, right? Because really it's more of how can we social distance our employees? How can we retain our uh, distribution channels and our supply chain? There's not really a conversation on how do we bring people into our tap room, right? But for the tap rooms and brew pubs, uh, you know, it's a totally different story. They make up 70% of the craft brewing industry. So the majority of craft brewing, excuse me, craft brewing, that's not a word, craft brewing is coming from uh, craft <laughs> breweries that basically function off of customers coming in and out and treating it like a destination, not just a production plant. Um Bob Pease, he's the CEO of the Brewers Association, said that 2020 will be the first year that, quote, beer sales from small and independent breweries across the nation don't grow, end quote. So this is just going to be a bad year for craft brewery. And I wonder, is this going to be irreparable to the industry? Will it be crushed beyond repair? Uh, and you know, will we see any sort of regrowth of the industry post-pandemic, or will this be one of those situations where we see a lot of the small players get axed uh, only to be replaced by the existing larger players that have the resources and capital to weather the storm a little better, but because of that uh, sort of shift in power within the market, the smaller players don't have an opportunity to ever re-enter, just sort of permanently... Uh, readjusting, Hmm. you know, who has market share 
in the same way that we've seen Amazon grow and boom while Main Street retailers have all been shut down permanently and small business owners basically saying, yeah, I'm, I'm, it's not like I'm going to reopen a business next year. It's just we're, we're done. So is this the same for craft breweries? I'm not totally right. sure. Um, I I think it really depends on how they adjust their business models. And if 70% of the industry runs off of making their space a destination spot, an entertainment venue, a hospitality venue for customers to come in and out, enjoy the tap room, make it an experience, that is much more difficult to adapt under a pandemic versus um, just a production plant. So I wonder, will craft breweries readjust and try right. to reopen uh, as only production plants cutting a lot of their hospitality services to at least try to uh, maintain some kind of uh, stable uh, production operation. Any thoughts there? Man, I kind of don't think so, mainly because I see craft breweries similar to the way I see coffee houses and that sort of thing in that I, I don't some of them some of them exist just for the okay we're going to produce beer and that's it but i think that the majority of them exist because of the i think the reason people get into the business is because they see the experience of sit around drink craft beer with your friends you know have conversations with it but creating those almost public meeting spaces you know those uh, those public living rooms kind of and that that being a large part of the the draw into the industry. So I kind of don't think that that's something that is going to happen, mainly because I think that it's it removes one of the key incentives that I, that I think drives most people to get into the market. It's not so much just that making beer is so much fun. It's that the experience of welcoming people in and trying it together and having those kinds of conversations and having those types of places where people that like similar things get together that to me seems to be one of the major driving forces behind people enjoying and you know visiting craft breweries. Um, so I don't necessarily see the experiential hospitality elements really ever leaving yeah. this this it's, area uh, of the market. It feels like something that has helped craft breweries expand in their communities, and I, I don't think it's an aspect like you said that can just be sort of phased out. Uh, as the industry just becomes something else, I think a lot of the the main reasons why people like craft breweries is because right. of the experience. They want something more local, more homegrown that they can put a face to, that they can put a mental image to. If they just become a production plant mm -hmm. where you can go to Kroger and you can buy whatever, a locally brewed beer versus something from Anheuser-Busch, and that's the only difference, plus, you know, whatever, some flavor and taste and, like, things that you like about the beer... Um, I don't know if that's going to be enough for a consumer to, you know, I, I don't know, feel any sort of responsibility to uh, keeping their favorite brand alive. And uh, I don't even know if it is a business decision that will keep them alive from what it seems. It isn't. They need that hospitality component. So I, I think this is a bad sign for right. the, uh, you know, the brewery industry at large. And I hope that craft breweries can find a sustainable way to adapt that keeps production up because it really seems like the most stable of the different revenue options right now but also a way to adjust their experience mm -hmm. um, to be socially distanced to be safe and much like other industries are doing try to find a way to uh, to adapt and maybe we'll see some permanent changes to 
the hospitality side of brewing moving forward. This was a snippet from Business Casual with Daniel Litwin and Tyler Kern, your B2B morning radio show. Tune in Wednesdays and Fridays at 9 a.m. Central on the Simple Radio app or marketscale.com slash industries.